morning, folks. Good to be with you all. I've been on holiday. So I don't know who you all are. So uh, there's some new people here, and I don't recognize you. So really warm welcome. And uh, if, you, if you're new and you've been coming the last couple of weeks, uh, I'm Pete. I'm the pastor here at Destiny, and it's just great to have you connecting. And uh, welcome all the regulars. Good to be together. Um, you know, what other church do you get people like Paul and Isaiah bringing prophecies in the service? And that's pretty special, having a Paul and an Isaiah bringing a word in a service. You know, we take it to another level in terms of prophecy there. That's great. Um, I had a great holiday. I feel like uh, batteries are all recharged, ready to go. The only problem was this morning, my car battery wasn't recharged. It was flat. So I arrived in the middle of the worship. I phoned Graham and said, hey, Graham, any chance you could give me a lift? Because Graham lives near me. He said, Peter, I'm hosting the meeting. He said, I'm preaching. I'm, I need to get there. So anyway, so thanks, Graham. No, I'm kidding. He was very, very helpful, but he didn't help me. And then, uh, but... <laughs> Drew and Naomi, I don't know where Drew and Naomi are. Thank you, Drew and Naomi. I don't know where you are. Thank you so much for the lifts. And try, we tried to do jack leads and all that. That didn't work, so they gave a lift and offered their car for today if I needed it. Amazing. Cool. Great to be together. In a minute, we're, we're one church in three locations and uh, actually four locations. Um, but we're going to be connecting just now as I'm preaching. We're going to be preaching. There's a camera at the back here. And so in a moment or two after I pray, we're going to welcome the people connecting in so you can join us as we welcome our our live congregations in Leith and in North who are joining us this morning. Father in heaven, I pray as we turn to the Bible that you would speak to us. I ask God that you would reveal yourself like you always do. I pray, Jesus, you'd teach us about you. You'd grow us in our faith. I pray everyone here, God, from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest to the most regular in the church here, would experience your very touch and your presence. God, thank you, you're here. We're not talking about God who's distant. We're talking to you who is right here in our midst. And we ask, speak to us, change lives, heal sick bodies, save souls, people who don't know you, let them come to know you today. Encourage believers, do your work among us. Have free reign in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So join me in welcoming guys from our Leith and our North locations. Good to see you guys today. <laughs> Great to be one church in the city. And uh, it's, we actually, it's a very exciting time for us as a, as a church across the city. We've, um, I, I spent the last two days in London, down there, part of our apostolic team, meeting with another apostolic team, praying and, and looking at the whole of the UK and praying for the UK and strategically thinking about how we can position ourselves and our localities to make maximum impact in our generation. Really significant times. Uh, this afternoon, I've got a meeting through in Glasgow uh, with the heads of the Assemblies of God movement, the heads of the Baptist movement, and heads of another few apostolic movements who are going to be together with a guy called Yinka. Now, Yinka is from Reading, and in Reading, he pulled together a number of churches in the city and they saw, they started doing street evangelism together and they started seeing hundreds of people coming to faith in the streets of Reading. Since then, they've taken that same training on the roads. And last week, for, in a nine-day period last week, let me get the figures right, there was 3,351 decisions for Jesus in Wales. Isn't that amazing? In Wales. Wow, on the street. And it's not professional evangelists doing it, it's regular people from the church, people like you and me from the church just going out and sharing their faith. And uh, they were down in Newcastle. They did a whole set of training there. They brought together 40 churches from Newcastle. Uh, Paul and a few others went down to be part of that. 
and they went out on the streets and they saw the best part of a thousand people decide to follow Jesus on the streets in Newcastle. Anyway, so we're meeting Yinka this afternoon because as of next summer, we're hosting our Surge Conference, our network conference. We're hosting it in the Usher Hall uh, towards the end of June, which is amazing. So June 2018. And Yinka's going to be there and that's going to launch the Scotland campaign. Surge is going to be the launch of the Scotland campaign. Isn't that cool? So I I think I feel very privileged to be very much part of that. And we're going to be planning on the after following surge, there's going to be a three-year campaign going around all the cities in Scotland of training, of street evangelism, and of prayer. And that combination of prayer, the Holy Spirit, and sharing our faith is dynamic. And I know for many of you, it's out of your comfort zone. But what I want you all to do is be praying and thinking about how you can be part of that next time. And I'm thinking, take holidays, uh, give a, take a week away from work, and Go out your comfort zone and be trained and let's do things we've never done before. And we're going to be working very close. There's already three or four churches in this city have agreed to be part with us in Surge 18. They're going to be joining already. That's, this is like a year away that three, three of my pastor friends have said our churches are in. So they're cancelling the Sunday morning services and going to be with us in Surge in the Usher Hall, which is great. But then beyond that, with this thing called the turning, there's going to be a collective of, I don't know, dozens of churches from the city working together, training together sharing our faith in the city. Isn't that great? I think that's very, very significant. Very significant. And dead excited as well, roughly a month from now, uh, our south location will be going weekly, which is so exciting. And a number of you are part of that. So that is so significant. So this is a step we're all taking. So can I encourage you, everyone be praying into that. And you folks who are going south, we're cheering you on. Uh, God is with you and it's going to be significant. Pioneering is awesome. Pioneering is challenging. Don't, don't think it's just going to be a walk in the park. It will be challenging, but it will be great. God is with you. Uh, also, a month from now, we've got a weekend of healing meetings with uh, John Mellor and Ivan. And John Mellor, for those who don't know, if you go on YouTube, he's got about 4,500 clips of people being miraculously healed, uploaded, just from his healing meetings. John Mellor is well known around the world from New Zealand. And he's going to be with us for a whole weekend. He's doing, he'll be doing the Sunday night here in Gorgie. He's going to be in across other locations. Times are in your bulletin sheet. Pray towards it. Invite your friends. Let's get leaflets out. So exciting. The world is at sea. And we're carrying the greatest news ever. Jesus Christ's salvation. We've got this book, the Bible, which is absolutely rock solid in a world that so desperately needs answers. So we're going to turn to what Jesus said just now. We're in John's Gospel Jesus speaking, John chapter 16, this is what Jesus said to his disciples the day before his crucifixion. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you that you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. And that's kind of how it went, wasn't it? Jesus was crucified. The disciples were distraught. But the Pharisees and the Roman authorities, they rejoiced. You will weep and warn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Say joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of the joy that child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time for grief. But I will see you again. And you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. 
Say that after me. No one will take away your joy. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples on the last night of his life. And he gives you the keys for lasting joy. There's a lot of people looking for joy. Everyone's looking for joy. But most joy that people find is temporal. Doesn't last. Doesn't last for hours or days, let alone eternity. But what Jesus is offering is he's offering us lasting joy, joy that will remain forever. So here's three sources of lasting joy that I'm seeing in these verses. Number one, first source of lasting joy is the fact that Jesus is alive. You see, okay, let me, let me illustrate this with a story. Back in the year 2000, um, there was a car accident in Japan and it was a fa- there was a fatality in the car accident. It was a, it was a collision and the guy in the car died and the, the car went on fire, and you couldn't really recognize the guy because of, of the fire. And the, some of the locals recognized the car, and they think they recognized the owner of the car as the 60-year-old shipbuilder from the, from the community. So it was, a, it was terrible news. So they contacted the guy's family, and the brother-in-law came out, and he identified I mean, the, the remains as, yeah, that's my brother-in-law. And so that afternoon, the news came to the family. The family gathered in the house, where they were grieving and mourning over the sudden loss of uh, this dear man. The wife was grieving over her husband. The children were grieving over the loss of their father. It was a dreadful, dreadful moment. They were starting to think towards the funeral. And then the door opened, and in walked the 60-year-old ship worker. <laughs> okay. They got the wrong guy. Okay. Uh, and, and you imagine, suddenly, they're they went from being downcast to being upbeat. They suddenly went from being mourning to dancing. They thought, what? Now listen, it wasn't a resurrection. It was just mistaken identity, all right? Okay? Uh, so they had to phone the police and say, listen, really sorry, but uh, there's been a mistaken identity. Our, our, our man's okay. But you imagine, you imagine what it would have been like to be in that room, year 2000, in Japan, when in walked the guy that everyone thought was dead. You imagine the joy. You imagine the sudden change of emotion. Um, Jesus in these verses said this are you uh, you are asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more then after a little while you will see me so Jesus here is speaking on the Thursday night Jesus was crucified on the Friday that we call that good Friday because of the great things that happened because of the cross he died the day after saying this so he's saying in a little while you won't see me so he was, and literally, he was meaning tomorrow. From tomorrow, you're not going to see me. And then it, the next, he says, and then in a little more, this is in another little while, you will see me. And what was he talking about? Well, that'll be Sunday. Okay, so this is Thursday. Mon- Friday, I'm going to go somewhere. You won't see me for a little while. Then you're going to see me. So he's talking to his disciples, and they're, they're going to experience the most emotional roller coaster weekend of their lives where they're going to go from an all-time high to an all-time low to an all-time high. It's just going to be an amazing experience for these disciples. And it says on the Sunday, this is what happened on the Sunday night, John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So let me just make this clear. The disciples were not expecting Jesus to walk in. They weren't thinking, victory is coming. They were thinking, we're doomed. They were thinking, They've taken Jesus, we're next. They, I know that Jesus had said stuff about his death and resurrection, but it was like water off a duck's back. They weren't listening to that. They weren't getting it. 
And so they were, they were not expecting the best here. And it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. And the disciples were overjoyed. Say overjoyed. Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus said, no one can take away your joy. And the reason no one can take away your joy is that the source of your joy is alive. And he's alive everlasting. That's why your joy ain't going to run out. It's not going to run out like a battery. It's going to keep going. Your joy can keep going because the source of your joy keeps going. The source of your joy, who is Jesus, who is alive, he is alive ever forevermore. Let's hear for Jesus, our Savior who is alive. So how do you find, how do you find joy in God? How do you find that joy in Jesus? Tomorrow is my 19-year wedding anniversary. How cool is that? And I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me thinking, were you illegal when you got married? Were you five when you got married? That's what you're thinking. I know you're thinking that. 19-year wedding anniversary. How cool is that? But imagine tomorrow me turning up, ring the doorbell. I'm standing there. Angie opens the door. I've got a bunch of flowers. I said, there you go, Angie. And Angie says, Peter, that's amazing. Why would you, why would you do that? Imagine I said, it's my duty. It's my duty. I'm just doing my duty. There's some flowers. Happy anniversary. Kind of kill the moment, right? So let's wind the tape back, ring the doorbell. Hey, and some flowers. But why am I ringing the doorbell? I live there. Anyway, so let's, <laughs> let's ring back the tape again. Let's say, okay. Morning, Angie. Flowers. Okay. Out from the duvet. The flowers. <laughs> why would I have flowers? On? This is a really bad story. You get the point. Stop asking questions. Okay. Anyway, give Angie flowers tomorrow. She said, why would you do that? I said, listen, it's the least I could do. I love you so much. I love being your husband. I'm really looking forward to having a great day with you because I just love being with you. That's how it goes. And you see, some of you don't find joy in Jesus because for you, this whole Jesus thing is a duty. You know, you've come to this Christian thing and you go through the rigmarole, you kind of do the church thing, you turn up, oh, I'm meant to read the Bible, I don't really do it enough, I always feel guilty about that, so I read some and, and then I'll pray an occasional prayer, usually when I'm in trouble. And it's all duty and duty and duty and you're missing it. You're totally missing it. This is not duty. You, you're, your Savior is alive. This is not a religion, a philosophy. Your Savior is alive. The way you can find lasting joy is you connect with this one who's alive. He's here. He's here. He's here by his Spirit. He's so alive. And you can connect with him. And in that relationship, man, there's joy. There's so much joy. There's so much aliveness. And some of you don't have joy in God because you perceive he's let you down. You, it may be the circumstance of your life is pointing to some thing that makes you question, mm, God's not for me. God failed me there. And just to have to let you know, God didn't fail you. If God failed you, you're the first ever. God, doesn't, now God never fails. Circumstance can be bad, I get that. But God's not bad. Circumstance will come and circumstance will go, thank God. But God is eternal and eternally good and unchanging. So you've got to have a source that doesn't change and Jesus doesn't change. And some of you, th you think you've, he's let you down and the unanswered prayers maybe raise questions in your mind. Don't let it raise the, don't, don't, fine, let it raise questions, but don't come up with the wrong answers. If your answer is that somehow God is not with you or for you or doesn't hear you, you've missed it completely. He so is. You can find joy in God. So, you know, some of you have no joy in God because 
you think your source of joy is God, but actually it's not really God. Let me illustrate. So you come to church. You find lots of joy in the singing. And when some worship leaders are up, you find a lot of joy. And then when other worship leaders are up, there's a little bit less joy because they're not your favorite and they don't sing the songs you like. Why are you all laughing? It's so fickle, right? And so actually what you're doing is you're finding joy in a song or in a way a song was And when a newbie, when, a, when you get a new worship leader, thank God for new worship leaders. Uh, when you get a new worship leader standing up, giving it their first time, you think, okay, it's cool, but I was really looking forward to that worship leader. Come on, listen, where's the source of your joy? Are you so fickle you just go looking for the greatest performance in town? That you go, all right, that's a great song. I like that song. And What? Or you find joy in, in a pastor or, or in your pastor. Now, listen, I, I'm great. Okay, I get that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you, do you know what? Hey, do you know what? It's, you can't find joy in me. I don't even find joy in me. I find joy in God's. Why would you look somewhere? I'm not looking, right? Jesus is my joy. You've got to find joy in Jesus. I'm like, oh, so-and-so's preaching. That's going to be great. So-and-so's not. What? Get over it. Jesus is great. And you, you, you don't come to, you don't, otherwise you become consumers. Otherwise you, you're treating church like restaurants and you expect a certain service and this and that. Do you know what? Jesus Christ is, is awesome. And you know, for me, honestly, some of the most joyful moments in my life have been without any music playing, sometimes when it's really dark outside and there's no one else there. Honestly, I have had some of the most joyous times in his presence when I'm praying. I mean, I'm talking about a joy like nothing else. And, it puts it, and for me, it's my lifeline. It puts everything in perspective, in the middle of a busy, crazy life, that, those times put everything in perspective for me. That's my life. He's my lifeline. So don't find some, or, or it could be that you, get, you find your joy in some other secondary source like the answered prayer. You get so much joy. Oh God, you answered my prayer. And you're absolutely right to rejoice in the answered prayer. But rejoice more in the one who answered it. You answered that for me. You love me and you did that for me. Thank you so much. Or in that relationship that he gave you. God, thank you. Otherwise, secondary things become primary things in your soul. And I have to assure you, no matter how good the relationship or how good the job or how good the answer is, they are not the source of your joy because they are temporal. God is eternal. So find the source of your joy in the eternal God. Jesus is the source and he's alive and he's alive forever, evermore. Jesus said, no one will take away your joy because your joy is based on someone who cannot be taken away. It says in Psalm 16, verse 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. I experience that. It's not just like I have experienced it. I experienced that this morning. Uh, I experience that on a regular basis. He is the source of my life. I just want him to be the source of your life. I don't want you to have some form of Christianity that misses him. I want you to know him. I want you to find him to be the bedrock of your life. Church, Destiny Church Edinburgh, youth, youngest person to the oldest person in this church, I'm asking you, build your life on a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You will have eternal joy. So second source of lasting joy is knowing that what he accomplished. Knowing what he accomplished. It wasn't just that he was alive. If you were one of those disciples and you saw him go on the, on the Friday and then you saw him rise on the Sunday, there was a number of emotions going through your souls on Sunday when you saw him. And it wasn't just that he was alive. It was the implications 
of him being alive that have now gripped you. See, pain is bad, but there's something worse than pain. It's purposeless pain. That's worse than pain. Pain is terrible, but when pain happens and there is no purpose in it, and that event just came and went, that's worse than the pain itself. It's one thing to go through some stuff if things turn out better afterwards. If you go through stuff and things are worse than ever and there is absolutely no rhyme or reason to why that happens, that's worse than the pain itself. And Jesus described this in in, in what he said. He said in verse 21, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of the joy that child has been born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I'll see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus is describing this anguish that the disciples are about to go through, this pain. This pain between the Friday and the Sunday, between his death and the resurrection. This anguish that they were going to go through. But the point is, this is not going to be purposeless anguish. It's going to be like the anguish of labor pains, which isn't purposeless. The woman gives birth to a child, and the child brings such joy into that woman's life. So I remember with me and Angie having Becky and Michael. Well, really, it was Angie did all the hard work. Becky was born. She's, she's our first. She's, she's turning 16 this year. And I remember it was a long labor. It was a 72-hour labor. It was really hard. It was really hard. And after it, <laughs> so Angie, that wasn't even Angie said that. You felt for her. 72-hour um, labor. And then after the labor, Angie said, do you know what? As she held Becky in her arms, she said, I'd do that again for someone like this. And, uh, and she did. Michael was 78 hours. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah? But that's, that's an anomaly. I don't know. I've never heard of that before. But there was a purpose in the pain and the, the purpose made it all worth it. And what I see Jesus is describing here is this. That I know, disciples, this is going to be the time of anguish. But it's not just that you're going to be so glad to see me again you're going to suddenly realize that what I've just accomplished in those moments of anguish on that cross and in my resurrection will accomplish something that will so outweigh any pain you felt. The purpose of what I'm accomplishing on that cross is going to so outweigh any pain or anguish or discomfort that you felt in those times. And all of a sudden you realize it was worth everything. It was worth everything. There was a medical missionary, a guy called Dr. Claude Barlow. He was, about a century ago, he was a missionary to China. And Uh, as he was there in China treating people who were not well but also sharing the good news about Jesus with people um, there was an epidemic broke out in his community a rare disease that he didn't know what the disease was and it broke out in the community now he was an expert in medicine but he didn't have any laboratories didn't have all the equipment didn't have any colleagues to work with him on on the problem so he was scuppered so he was doing his best to do research into this particular outbreak that was going on but he was limited So eventually, having taken extensive notes on the outbreak, he got a sample of the germs from the virus. And then he took this sample with him. He got on a boat heading back to the United States. And as he arrived into the United States, he injected himself with the virus. And then took himself to John Hopkins University Hospital, 
where he submitted himself for examination, he asked his former professor to come and treat him. He showed him his notes. He talked him through. And Dr. Claude Barlow became incredibly ill. But everyone worked very hard around him. And incredibly, they discovered the vaccine and the cure to the disease. And Dr. Claude Barlow recovered and returned to China, not just alive, but alive with a cure. And you need to understand that when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just appear to his disciples, ta-da, alive. He appeared to his disciples alive, but with the greatest cure ever. He didn't, they weren't just glad he was alive. They were thrilled about what had been accomplished on behalf, not just of them, but of every human being who ever has or ever will live who would trust in that substitutionary death and resurrection. It's amazing. Jesus speaking in Revelation Chapter 1, verse 17 to 18, Jesus says, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. He's not just alive, he's got the keys. (laughs) That's really good news. You can have joy in Jesus, not just because he's alive and the source of your joy is alive. You can have joy in Jesus because he's alive and he's got the keys. He's got the keys to the things that threatened you more than anything else has ever threatened you. Death and Hades, your arch enemies, things that want to take you out. Jesus is alive and he's got the keys and he can rescue you from your greatest enemies. You see, the cross without the resurrection was bad news. The cross with the resurrection changes everything. The cross without the resurrection, all you've got is a dead hero, a martyr. In fact, worse, a deceiver. Someone who claimed he would die and rise but didn't, and therefore everything else he claimed in life was a deception. A cross without a resurrection. A cross without a resurrection, all you've got is a wickedness having its wicked way. Another innocent man dies at the hands of a cruel system. A cross without a resurrection means you and I have no substitute for our sins. A cross without a resurrection means that you and I will still face judgment up ahead. But when you've got a cross with a resurrection, everything changes. All of a sudden, everything that he ever said is true. His claim to be not just a man, but also fully God is 100% right. He's God. A cross with a resurrection means that everything that he accomplished on the cross is effective in changing people's lives for eternity. A cross with a resurrection means that my judgment ahead was paid for behind. A cross with a resurrection means I am eternally accepted because my judgment's already happened. 2,000 years ago, someone took my judgment for me. So when judgment day comes... I'm already acquitted because I died in him. His judgment was my judgment. I I experienced acquittal way back then because he was condemned so I could be acquitted. It's an incredibly good news moment. When they have a resurrection, it's not just the joy of him being alive, it's the joy of what he's accomplished for you. He's alive and he's eternally alive. You see, a, a cross with a resurrection means that the one that loved me, loves me. He loves me. He didn't just love me back then. He loves me. Now, the same one who died for me is alive. And with that same intense love, he loves me just now. And no wonder we call this the gospel. 
gospel is a Greek word which translates good news. It's the Greek words, I'll try and pronounce it, euangelion. And it comes from two words, euangelion. And you means joy or goods. And angelion means message. In other words, gospel means goods, news. Or news that will bring joy. Or joy news. The reason that we call this joy news is that the greatest victory was won on our behalf on a cross 2,000 years ago and in a resurrection. He's not just alive. He's got the keys. He's paid the price. Satan, sin, death has been conquered. They don't threaten you like they used to. Now, outside of Jesus, you're in trouble. But in Jesus, you're eternally safe. And I just want to appeal to you today, if you're here, whether you're in Leith or North or here in Gorgie, and you don't know God yet, you haven't trusted Jesus personally to be your savior, then you are in a sticky wicket. You're still facing the judgment that's coming. You're still under the wrath of God. But God loves you, even though you're a sinner, even though I'm a sinner. God loves us, and he's done something for our sin. And you need to trust in Jesus, the only savior. There is only one remedy to your sin. It's not a religion or a philosophy. He's a person. He's called Jesus Christ. There's only one person who was qualified to die in your place and rise again, to take the punishment, to take the sin, so you could be eternally accepted. And if you're not saved today, you need to run to Jesus. I don't care how many times you've been at church. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not saved, you need to know him. I want to know that you have eternal life. I want you to have this experience of God's eternal acceptance. And if that's you today, please trust him. Let him be the savior of your soul. And if that's you today, I will give you that opportunity before the end of the service. He's alive. There's a guy called Fritz Kreisler. He was a famous violinist. And he was uh, very successful and he, he composed music as well as performing music. And in his performances and through his composures, he earned a lot of money. But he was incredibly generous. So he gave away most of the money that he made. And one day, as he was on tour, he went into a particular shop and there was this exquisite violin. It was, a, it was an old violin, but it was a violin that he would often dream of having. And because he'd given away a lot of his money, he didn't have enough money to buy the violin. So he made a, a decision that he was going to earn what he could to try and buy that violin. Anyway, a few months passed. He earned the money. And he returned to buy the violin only to hear that the violin had been sold to a local collector. So the violinist turned up at the local collector's house and he said, I would like to buy this violin. Now the local collector, he said, this is a prized possession for me and I really don't want to let it go. But, but Fritz at that point said, well, listen, could I play it one more time? Because he knew it was just going to sit in a glass case and be unplayed. He said, could I play it one more time before it's condemned to a life of being in a glass case? And the, and the collector said, okay. And so he picked up this violin and he played the most melodious, incredible music that filled the room where they were. And, and the collector said, and I quote, I have no right to keep it to myself. He exclaims, it's yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it. Take it to the world and let the people hear it. And it, he didn't, didn't have to pay a penny for it. The collector paid for it and he got something that someone else had paid for and he said, now tell the world, get the music out. And what you and I have got through what Jesus did, no one has spent such a high price on us as Jesus Christ. What he spent on us in the cross and in the resurrection is such a great gift. 
such a great gift. It's an eternally great gift. It's the greatest news. It's the greatest gift. It is good news. It is gospel. It is joy news. It is news that will bring joy. And it's free. I didn't pay a thing for it. What I get through Jesus isn't because I'm so good. It's because he's so good. It's not because I work so hard. It's because what he did. I benefit from his obedience. I don't benefit from my obedience. And thank God I don't, I'm not punished for my disobedience because he was punished for my disobedience. And I benefit from his obedience. It's his reward that becomes my reward. It's all his work. It's all his payment. I just benefit from it. That's why it's called grace. It's amazing. And it changed my life. And therefore, this good news has got to be told. This glad tidings has got to be told to the world we've got to share this we can't keep it to ourselves it is the best news ever it's like the story of this Chinese farmer who went to visit a a medical missionary and this Chinese farmer had cataracts in his eyes and the medical missionary did a minor operation removed the cataracts and the Chinese farmer was so thrilled and so thankful and so grateful for what had been done on his behalf Anyway, a week later, as the missionary's standing in this lab looking out, there is the Chinese farmer with a rope. And along the rope were several dozen other Chinese blind farmers holding onto the rope, following the other guy to the medical missionary. <laughs> you think, wow, he found an answer and he's bringing everyone to that answer. And listen, I'm just saying, you've just been given the greatest news ever. God has done something great for you. God has done something great for you. And I just want us to be those who are not holding it to ourselves but who share this good news with a city that's in desperate need of hearing it. And I know they think they don't want to hear it, but they really do. If they understood what we were saying and they understood the reality of it, they really want to hear this. And the Holy Spirit can help them to understand it. The Holy, I was chatting to my friend, uh, Craig, he was part of the team who was with us down in London, and he was saying, Peter, you know, it's amazing. One minute, it's, it's 20 years ago or something like that. In fact, me and Craig got baptized. This is way, way back when, when I became a Christian. Craig uh, was in a local village nearby and we got baptized together. So we've known each other for years. He said, Peter, I remember just before I became a Christian, there was one minute I was arguing and debating with this guy about how God didn't exist, how Jesus was just a phony, just another religious teacher, da, 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 da. And he said, within a minute or two, I was on my knees calling out to Jesus, asking him to save me. He said, how does that happen? How do you go for one minute being the greatest antagonist and all of a sudden you're, I need Jesus in my life. I need saved. Jesus, forgive me. How do you go like that? And he said, the only way that happens is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all we get to do is have, we have the privilege of sharing the good news and then the Holy Spirit will do a work that you and I couldn't do through our persuasion. But just get the news out. Give me an amen, Destiny Church, if you agree. Let's get this news out. Share it with your friends and family. The good news, what he accomplished. The third source of lasting joy is that you're alive forever. First source of lasting joy, that he's alive. Second source of lasting joy is that what he accomplished through his death and resurrection. The third source of lasting joy is that you get to be alive forever. Um, Bertrand Russell, who was a famous atheist, he kind of sums up what, in a quite brutal way, but he sums up what many atheists believe. He says, when I die, I shall rot. And that is all. Wow. In other words, you just cease to exist. And that's what many, that's what atheists believe. They just believe that this just happens. This thing called life just happened, didn't mean anything. You just were a fluke, even though you've got all these sense, of, you've got purpose, it means nothing. You just happens. You're an accident, you're a fluke. And at the end, you'll just die. And it all meant nothing. Wow. Jesus 
he said something very different. Jesus, and actually the UK believes something different. Survey in, by the BBC in 2009 revealed the majority of Britons believe in life after death. And they said that 55% of people in Britain believe in heaven and 70% of people in Britain believe in the human soul. In other words, there's an invisible part to us. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You can have lasting joy in Jesus. It's not just because he's alive. It's not just because of what he accomplished for you. But it's through that you now are alive eternally. You can have this joy, this joyful anticipation of eternal life in Jesus. He who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus isn't lying. He's absolutely right. If you believe in Jesus, you will live even though you die. As you die, that's merely a transition. You will live even though you die. That's amazing. No one else has said that to you. Jesus is saying that to you. That's the truth. You will live even though you die. And you know, I've been with people as they die. And I've been with people who know Jesus as they die. And Jesus is absolutely right. Every one of us in this room, we're young and vibrant just now, every one of us will die. If you believe in Jesus, you will live even though you die. I remember William Wells, who's part of our lease location, his daughter, Stacy. In the last weeks of her life, she was in a hospice. And it was, it was quite a... I've never had to do a wedding in a hospice. And she asked me to do her wedding for her in the hospice. And her and her fiancé had a little boy. And they, she just wanted to be married before she died. And so I did this wedding in a hospice. And it was a, it was a, it was a quite a moving moment. And then I did her funeral a few weeks later. But you know, the, it's incredibly sad. And yet, the bit before that was incredibly joyful. Because just before I did her wedding, she came to have faith in Jesus Christ. And honestly, she, she, and she died young. She shouldn't have died so young. It was stupid. It was crazy that someone died so young. She'd have a long, long life, but it was a young death. It doesn't feel right. But she came to know Jesus. And she came to know Jesus. And all I can say is that when I would visit her in the hospice, there was an incredible joy. You think about the morbidness of these moments. You know, you're, you're losing you've got a young boy. You've just got married. You're a young person. And yet she's full of joy. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And it only makes sense when you take an eternal perspective of things. It only makes sense that way. You know, it, Jesus describes heaven in this way in, in one of his parables. In Matthew twenty-five, twenty-three, he said, enter into the joy of your master. Heaven is everlasting joy in the presence of God. Hell is everlasting misery away from God because God is the source of all joy. And when you're with Jesus, you have incredible joy. Remember in the, some of you will have heard me share this story, but it illustrates it for me so strongly. In the last week of my mom's life, she, God gave me a word, first of all. It was a word from Second Kings chapter 4, verse 23, and it was a little statement, it is well. 
or it will be well. It will be well. And in this little statement, it will be well, it was to do with a lady who was going through a crisis and everything was going real bad. But she, her confession was, it will be well. And several times that, in, that, in that episode in Second Kings, she confessed, it will be well. And then it turned out well. And I, this little phrase I felt God was saying to say to my mom. So I shared it with my mom. God says to you, mom, it will be well. Anyway, that was the last week of mom's life. That was the word I felt God was saying to her. I shared it with her. On the Thursday night as she was uh, downstairs, she, was, she went to sleep on a comfortable chair downstairs while the th- there's a little flickering fire in our living room back in Glasgow. And we went upstairs to bed and came to the the next morning. Mum wasn't there and I, I came upstairs and she was in bed and she said, Peter, last night as I was sitting beside the fire, Jesus appeared to me. And she, she couldn't tell me what Jesus said. She was almost like she was forbidden from saying but she had this vision of Jesus. She had this encounter with Jesus in the last, this is on the Thursday, she died on the Sunday night. And right then, joy flooded her soul, pain left her body. Joy was in her soul like, I've never seen this joy before in my life. It was a bit, un, a bit weird. The, ne- the next day, she, it's almost like she started withdrawing from us. She became less and less with us and almost as if she was always going to, almost going to heaven even while she was on the earth. Next day, she she went out and there was a lot of dew in the grass early morning. She just went out in her bare feet and started walking in the grass. I was just worshipping and worshipping. That's not what someone does a couple of days before they pass into eternity. Worshipping and worshipping. And the, the last words I remember coming out of her mouth was, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're just amazing. She was blown away by this vision of Jesus. And she couldn't talk about anything else between then and her passing away. She just was cons- just captivated by Jesus Christ. I really believe in eternity. She passed away on the Sunday and then on the Wednesday was her funeral and on the Thursday morning I got a, friend, a phone call from my friend Tim Brown who leads our church down in Newcastle and he said, Peter, last night I had a vision and in the vision I saw your mum and she told me to tell you that all is well. Whoa. Now that was between me, mum and Jesus. That was a word that God gave me from mum in the last week of her life. I really believe in eternity. I really believe you can have joy because of the reality of eternity there was a village that was about to be destroyed because of a a dam that was being constructed they were building a dam in a valley and there was a particular village in that valley which you know in 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 the best part of a year's time would would not exist anymore because it was going to be underwater the dam was almost finishing uh, nearing completion and the villagers knew they had a certain amount of time to leave the village and be relocated to other houses but in the months before the dam was completed, it was interesting to watch the village. The village became, you know, no one's cut their grass anymore. In fact, they stopped putting rubbish out. There was just rubbish lying in the streets. The grass was left uncut. People didn't paint their windows anymore. It was, the place went, became disheveled. It fell into disarray. And one resident, in retrospect, commented wisely and said, where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. And you need to understand that when you realize that in the past the price was paid for you that was so colossal, so colossal, so that you in the future can have an eternity that you didn't pay for, it was paid for by someone else who loves you very much, then right now in the present you can have a power, you can have a joy, you can have a hope and an expectation and you will go through the ups and downs in life, you absolutely will. You're going to face stuff. Stuff happens, right? Stuff, it's not God. Stuff happens. Just life. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's you, right? Sometimes it's others. 
but it's not God. But it will happen. And you're going to go through ups and downs, and that's just life. But you need to understand that when you have this rock-solid foundation of what took place in the past, with an awesome hope of something great that is up ahead, paid for at his expense, on the cross, and eternity from God with love. You have power in the present. You have a joy that is inexcusable, inexhaustible. That's probably a better word. (laughs) Inexhaustible joy. And the disciples did. The disciples saw Jesus alive. And they were full of joy, the Bible says, when they saw Jesus alive. But actually, if you read through the book of Acts, they remained full of joy. In Acts chapter 5, when they were flogged by the, the Jewish officials, they left the place full of joy. Think, man, we've just been flogged. <laughs> you're nuts. You're mental. How can you be so full of joy? And you read, you read the archives. You read the history of the early Christian church. As they were being arrested by the Romans and being fed to the lions, many of them were being singing songs as they were being fed to lions. There is no joy that is on offer anywhere else in the world that can be that robust that when you're facing the worst crisis in life that can keep you going because it's that robust. Because it's not based on anything in this life. It's based on the great Savior Jesus who did everything for you. It's amazing. I'm going to end with this verse and then I'm going to pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39 Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. Let's hear for him. He's amazing. You're amazing. Jesus, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you're here right now. You're very, very powerful. You're so good. You are so grateful to you, God, for all that you have accomplished, for all the love that caused you to go and accomplish it for us. Thank you, Jesus Christ. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're great and we love you and thank you for all that you have done. We're so glad to be in your presence right now and I thank you so much for the joy we find in you. I pray, God, for this church. I ask that this will be a joy-filled church. Joy-filled church, not because power or got the coolest job and they're gonna get all those, Lord, but joy because they got the greatest savior and because even though the stuff will come and go, The Savior remains forever and they're in him and he's in them and that's inseparable. They're in covenant and nothing's gonna change. I pray, God, for a robustness of joy to come in our souls, God, that we wouldn't be so fickle that gets moved when, when we hear bad news. I pray, God, for a robustness of joy in our souls, God, that so that we could face anything that life could throw at us and we're just solid in Jesus Christ. I pray that for this church. I pray that, Lord, that we'll be a people who know the glad tidings, the good news, the joy news, and we will communicate that joy news to a city and a world that's so desperately in need of that joy news to come their way. Thank you. Just, just talk to him, just in your own way. Just pray your own response to him just now. Pray to him. All over this auditorium, just pray to him. Just those who are connecting through this live stream, just connect with him just now. Just talk to him. 
He's the source of your joy, not me, not this church, not your relationships. Thank him for all he's done. While people are praying, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're here and you don't yet know Jesus the Savior, if you don't yet know that transformation that comes through Jesus, then I want to give you that opportunity just now. He's here. And if you want to know him, if you want to know that incredible salvation that he's paid for, that forgiveness, that acceptance, that promise of eternal life, that relationship with God, then I would like to help you make that connection just now. Just wherever you're sitting, if that's you, then go for it. Make this decision. Pray this prayer with me. I'm going to pray a prayer. I invite you to pray it with me. One line at a time, under your breath, but pray it from your heart. Pray, dear Lord God, thank you so much for your incredible love for me. Jesus, thank you. You were willing in your love to come into this world and and die on that cross and pay the most remarkable price for me. thank you that on the third day you rose from the dead and you've conquered Satan, sin and death and thank you you are alive forevermore you're alive right now today I put my faith in you to be my saviour I trust you to be my saviour I base my whole life on you now I trust you to save me and I believe in you and I commit myself to you I want to follow you now Jesus for the rest of my life be Lord of my life thanks for hearing my prayer and accepting me forever